Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome back, Art of War family, to the Art of War podcast. How clever am I? This is your host, John Damaris, and we're here to talk with TJ Lanigan about his chaos list. Now, if you missed part one, you need to go back and listen to that first, because part one is, as you should probably know by now, is where we cover, you know, the basics of the list, why why what's in the list is in the list, and and how to play it. And in this episode, part two, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, dirty details of optimal play. Joining me, as always, is the one and only Nick Nanavati, who's going to help us break down the discussion, being the Tom Brady of Warhammer 40K. He obviously is going to have a lot of great questions, and we're going to get into some matchups. TJ, welcome back to the show. Nick, why don't you go ahead, introduce TJ, and let's get started. Yeah, so TJ is one of our coaches here at Art of War. He's a very accomplished chaos player, winning like 4,000 GTs last season. I think that's a direct number. And then... um, He's also pioneered a lot of really cool ways to play Chaos uh, and putting his little own TJ variations on some very strong lists in the past. So uh, TJ brought home a GT very recently with his latest and greatest uh, Thousand Sons and Demon list. And we're here today to talk about how he's going to play into the big bag world of Space Marines that we live in. How are you doing, TJ? I'm doing great. Ready to talk about some uh, matchups and such. Awesome. So let's start off with... Uh, the boogeyman of the 21st century, the Space Marines. Um, we usually like to break these down in a couple of different modes. So I'd like to categorize the one like the combat Marines, like White Scars and Blood Angels, and the shooting Marines like Salamanders, and then Deathwing, because they're kind of their own thing. So how do you approach each of those matchups, TJ? Um, so Blood Angels are melee-oriented, uh, so that's good for me because my uh spells that basically slow down units make it very easy for me to pull units off the table but angels don't really have a mechanic to deny more wounds or really put anything of value or sorry inconsequential value in front of these targets so they just get hit full brunt on with these smites and primarily um the melee units in blood angels are sanguinary guard and uh, Sanguinary Guard do not like Magnus. Uh, they're not a fan. Three damage flat doesn't really feel good on Sanguinary Guard, and Neg 4 doesn't feel good on them either, because he'll just pick up a squad by himself. Um, so that's a pretty good matchup for me. I'm able to kind of screen out with Nurglings to prevent 9-inch deep strikes into the Pink Horrors, and then I'm kind of able to push out with the Pink Horrors and kind of block Magnus and the bird from getting charged. And then I can kind of pick where I want to fight. And then Magnus and the bird will smite out the characters that are basically pivotal to making their list work. So either the chaplain that gives them the six up, feel no pain, or I'm sorry, the priest that gives them the six up, feel no pain, or one of their, uh, you know, Mephistons or Dante, anybody I, I, I don't want to get into combat with that. I don't need to worry about. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good matchup for me. I feel. But what uh, if they try like if it's a terrain heavy board and they can scoot just you know deploy and run across the table out of line of sight so you can't really get too much mortal wound output on them because that's I mean, not too hard. Like if they play with a middle L, 
Yeah, um, I mean, that doesn't bother me too much um, if they let go of the objectives. And something to keep in mind is that this spell, uh, Warp Reality, does not need line of sight. So that you is... You can a, still slow down one unit, which is useful. Yeah, so you're still hitting one unit, so they're not really running with their full army. And like I said, Magnus will just jump and pick up a unit if he needs to. So if they get separated and Magnus is kind of able to jump over there, pick up one with a smite and his infernal gaze and his doom bolt, and then charge the other one, he can effectively kill, you know, two full squads of sanguinary guard almost by himself. I mean, it's not a difficult feat for him. Right. Um, and like, so we they have to spend a lot of time to deal with Magnus. If he's doing that, yeah. Basically, that's their entire next turn. Yeah, which I, I did in one of my games. Uh, you know, we he went up there and killed, you know, twenty uh, something out of twenty four Sanguinary Guard, and then uh, he spent his entire turn killing with all the models. But then he was just in the corner by himself, kind of able to get picked up by the rest of my army, the rest of their spells and everything like that. So mm-hmm. it's a trade I'm willing to make to basically cripple him. Yeah, I think I think when you need to get some momentum going, that's a good kind of trading piece to pull out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and the other thing to note is that most of the objectives are usually not in an area where you can just be behind terrain and hold. Yeah, these and they only have so much chaff to try to hold objectives with. So, you know, yeah, some points are real units. Yeah, yeah. So that's the Blood Angels matchup. Um, so in in that matchup, I assume that you just deploy your whole army. You don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't ever reserve anything? No, they, there's really no need. I mean, they really don't have... Uh, typical Blood Angels lists don't really run uh, the shooting elements because they're just the slower elements of the list. So you don't really see, like, Eradicators often because they want to punch you and they want to get in close and do a whole bunch of stuff. Now, one Eradicator unit doesn't really scare me uh, with Magnus because you're not getting a min on turn one. And even if you were to shoot Magnus on turn one, realistically you shouldn't kill magnus on on the first turn um even if you hit five times you should only wound three times he should fail maybe two of those if you're if it's really bad then you re-roll it and maybe fail one of those one d6 isn't going to kill him um and that's if you're not able to put him behind like terrain if you can put him behind uh dense terrain making a minus one to hit significantly increases his odds from 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 taking any heavy damage on turn one yeah, I don't. I don't see Light Blood Angels having the Alpha Strike to warrant reserving Magnus or anything else. Yeah. It's all about what you have on the table. Mm-hmm. All right, so I imagine White Scars is pretty similar. Is there anything specific you want to hit on that match? Yeah, I mean the problem with White Scars um, is they need to they need to get to turn three, so that's bad um, for them because I can kind of push in on the first two turns and really kind of cripple them or yeah, really that's take one thing down White Scars doesn't handle well is they don't like being blitzed themselves. Yeah. So in that matchup, I would probably stick the pink horrors in reserve so that I could drop them in on a unit and just just blow it up um, before they get to use it and kind of just pen them into a spot. You wouldn't use the pink horrors as like a screening unit for all your characters because they can go really far and just charge your characters without those bodies. Yeah, I mean, we have pink. Well, I'm sorry. We have uh, have nurglings for that. I mean, there's five squads. You can kind of make a triangle where the nurglings sit on the right the left and the right, and then the two care the big guys sit in the front and the back, and your guys kind of sit in the middle there. So you so, wouldn't actually use the nerdlings to spread out and try to hold objectives. You would use them to kind of defend your castle. Well, that's only two squads. You still have three squads to go out and do stuff. Oh, okay. 
Okay. So you still get like your board presence that you want. Uh, and that's depending on what the, the actual, um, the deployment is, you know, um, if we're playing long ways, turn one, they, they won't have enough push to be able, if you can kind of pen yourself in to kind of be able to push further, but it would depend on what the list is. Obviously like a lot of outriders and things like that, you want to leave them on the table, the pinks, but if it's just like assault Marines and stuff, they don't really push far enough to, to deal with it. Yeah, and I guess just to point the heart is also inceptor food, but they're just gonna die like just yep. he'll just shoot them a lot. Um, but um when I played the, the GT over the uh last weekend, uh they did start on the table against Mike Taylor's white scars because he had uh a lot of assault vets, and assault vets are a unit that moves quick enough where I would need something to block my characters. He didn't have a ton of shooting. So in that matchup, it doesn't really matter if they're on the table. But in your standard White Scar list with like triple Outriders, he's just going to run around the table and shoot bolter shots at you that you will have to chase down eventually. Um, and that's generally yeah, it's just not... giving his like shooting something to shoot at. Yeah. Yeah. You want him to basically have nothing good to shoot at. So uh, and it will also depend on the map. If there's a huge ruin that the pinks can just sit behind, that's fine then. Because that means even if I don't go first we're okay. Like, how, how aggressive are you getting with your character blob and like Magnus and the bird? Like, are you going into the white scars or are you just trying to hang out in midfield? Cause in, uh, in midfield, you're still in their striking distance. For sure. I would say turn one, you go in the midfield, uh, against Mike, it was turn one. I went into the midfield and killed a couple of things. Turn two was a big deal. Turn two, we killed a whole bunch of units. And then by the time we got to turn three, we basically smote out the things that would be an issue so that his you know plus one damage didn't really matter too much at that point it was just he was just too far gone so i think turn two is crucial to hit the units you want to hit um in his in my turn two i knocked out a full squad of vanguard vets slowed down a unit of vanguard vets so they couldn't move anywhere and then killed the unit of blade guard so he basically had one vanguard vet unit left so even if he got in and did all this crazy stuff, it wasn't going to do anything. And uh, we were pretty aggressive with the bird Magnus at that point because there's you know nothing to really worry about. So um, one thing to consider, though, is I guess how much Melta would start on the table because White Scars do take uh, maybe the ATVs or some Eradicators. So that would also determine a couple things too, depending on the deployment and stuff. But I would say 90% of the time, Magnus will probably start on the table against White Scars. Yeah, because they're uh, the, the fastest real shooting they bring is like uh, Plasma Inceptors that can advance and fire with no penalty. So that's 16, 17 with the plume and then 18-inch gun. So that's like 33 inches total. You could probably out-deploy that. Yeah, I mean, you could. And you can kind of... In that particular instance, what is what I did against my my final game against uh, Mate? Uh, basically, I ranged out that his transports could move 22 inches. That was their max movement, and I just put a guy at 21 inches, which meant that he had to now deploy on the other side of that, which meant he can only go. You know, you kind of move blocking him, so he's not yeah. going 18 inches. His max range is now only 16 inches. So that's a cool trick with nerglings that you can do that you can kind of. Yeah, that's really clever. I like that. You can, 
I, I love move blocking things like with fly and stuff, and that's exactly how to do it. Just really fast stuff because like you don't have to move block it, like stand right in front yeah, of it. Yeah, you don't have you to could. stand in front of it. You just go, what's your max range? And they tell you, okay, it's 20. Like, okay, so if I sit at 20 inches, that means that you cannot go any further. Oh, sorry, sorry, you sit at 19 inches. That means the furthest you could go if I'm sitting at 19 is you have to only 18 inches. 18. So that really hampers somebody because you just like, robbed him two inches by putting some dude there. Yep. So you know, well, yeah, um, and you can and you can blob them out a little bit, right? Like you can rob them four inches or six inches, depending yeah. on how you know how how big your footprint is. Uh, so that's really clever, especially because like a lot of armies are made of these eighteen, twenty-four inch range weapons, and like I move and shoot, that's good enough. And it's like, what if I can slug you down a little bit, buddy? That's it's really especially cool. helpful in the uh, in the Harlequins matchup because they literally only operate at six inches they need to get in there they have no choice so yeah. it's not like their plasma interceptors are like oh you know what okay fine i can't shoot you i'll shoot something else like they physically have to go really close to you to be able to shoot and they don't want right. to fly up and shoot a squad of nurglings it's not what they want to do no. just be standing we'll in front of you in a bit. i do want yeah. to touch on the the shooty marines and the deathwing though so All let's right. talk about uh salamanders. so salamanders uh hurt um salamanders you definitely have to play um a little more defensively with your magnus and your bird uh you need to make sure that you are blocking out the corners of your deployments and making sure that your pink horror bomb is kind of hitting the edges of the tables so that he deploys in front of you um thus creating basically you are out of the melta range where they can basically come in within six and then they're at 12 inches from you and then they can get you with you know um the plus two damage and your melta guns so um so that's that's uh a very important turn is when the eradicators come out because they can do a lot of damage in the salamander matchup you don't usually see them on the table that's usually a bad idea for them um I don't usually see when I play against Salamanders, which I've played twice against them, I don't ever see them start on the table. That's just bad because if they don't win the roll, they could just lose half of the squad. Against me in particular. A, a normal army just plays the Sacrifice strat, but the Sacrifice strat doesn't matter against me because it's just mortal wounds. So they can't start on the table at fear of just taking a whole bunch of damage and then just jumping my guy backwards and just... Let's break that down for new players and explain that interaction just so that they totally get it. Um, yeah, so uh, Salamanders have a strat that uh, only allows a unit to be targeted if it is the closest unit, thus basically preventing it from being targeted by any shooting attacks. So you can have one of your damage-dealing units that normally would you'd like to outflank stay on the table and, and use its damage. But there's a caveat to this. The caveat is that the shooting, it's only in the shooting. It's not mental. So no psychic powers or anything like that. So I can target them as normal. Um, the Dark Angels have the same thing. They have, uh, they have bodyguards they can utilize that basically block a lot of their characters, which inc imp improves their survivability. And again, that's another shooting mechanic. It's a mechanic that helps them out if they are, you know, getting shot at. But my army doesn't really do a lot of shooting, which makes it. Um, so let's let's help some new players out. How would they? How would you approach getting to something that is 
not screened with like a shooting defense, but is screened with other models, right? Because you know, obviously, a lot of times smites go to the nearest enemy unit. Right. Like, what is your what is your method for getting around that? So, um, if it was multiple units of eradicators, let's just say like normal, um, the first thing I would do is to slow one of the units down. So that's important because they have a very limited movement, um, and there's nothing they can do now to improve their movement without not being able to shoot twice so you're significantly reducing the amount of shots they can take if they have to advance and uh that would be my first step identifying how many units what's the threat is that's probably the most important thing with i think chaos in general but but really anything competitive where you have a big model that has survivability so you identify the threats you identify there's a unit that has like eradicators that can shoot you so smites would go to the closest model we have a number of spells that say pick a unit within 18 inches and deal the mortal wounds. Those are the spells that you're going to want to use to basically thin the ranks of things that would be uh, otherwise damaging on you. So normally what I use those spells on is characters. Uh, they're very good for taking out characters. The reason why Magnus is in the list primarily, not only because he's a big target, is because originally when I built this list, we want mortal wounds in the list. I want the, the list to have mortal wounds. And if you take a Demon Prince or Armin or something like that, there is the potential when casting spells with these two characters that it's just not going to go off. Well, Magnus doesn't have that problem. So these spells have a very high success rate that they're going to work and they're going to deal damage. So what you want to do is you want to move Magnus up and then you want to target the unit that is normally blocked by, let's say, stratagems or the character keyword. You want to hit them with all the spells that they can take. And then you want to then jump Magnus back, thus preventing him from taking uh, short range fire, bolters, uh, charges. And usually he goes right back in the pocket of the pink horrors, meaning I make an island around Magnus to surround him from taking any charges or maybe being the closest target for smite or anything like that. So, um, so you're, and you move him back with warp time, right? That's how yeah. you're doing that. Yep. It's the last yeah, spell I, we cast. And I think, I think what's really important for players that are going to pick up your list and you've sort of enumerated it, but let's, let's check my understanding. You're playing a game of identifying what can hurt Magnus um, because in the end game, he runs the table. If yeah. they don't have a way to deal with him, right? So one of the mini games that you're playing is how do I make Magnus last as long as I can or make him the biggest pain in the butt for them to remove? Like make them really pay for it where they spend so much effort trying to remove him that the rest of your army is run, you know, roaming free and doing 100%. lots of damage. Yeah, 100%. And so you, you can think about it as sort of a distraction, but what you're doing is you're tying your opponent in a knot because you're 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 attacking, you're prioritizing attacking the things that can hurt Magnus, and then backing him up using distance, terrain, other models to move block. You're sort of putting all of this stuff in the way of them getting at Magnus. And if, if they spend, you know, if they spend ten minutes trying to figure out how to kill Magnus and then decide they can't do it and have to go with a different plan, you're also getting ahead on resources like time. Um, cycles spent thinking, all this stuff. Am, am I sort of understanding what you're getting at there? Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, me and Nick had a game, actually, at the tail end of uh, the tail end of 8th edition. Um, 
where I played Magnus in a list and he had dreadnoughts with last cannons and I couldn't really target them or kill them. And we basically did exactly that. We cast all our powers, anybody we could see, and then we would just jump Magnus back far enough. And then the only thing they could shoot at him would be these dreadnoughts. So it became this game where, where Nick was like, I can't really kill Magnus, but I have nothing else to shoot at. So I guess I'll just waste shots on him and see if I can kill him. So it's kind of like, you're going to force your opponent to make these bad decisions. And some of these bad decisions will be like, I don't really think that two squads of eradicators can kill Magnus when he has a three up invul and minus one to hit. And you also heal him. So it's like chipping him is not really a plan either. Right. And the way you're positioning Magnus. So what you want to try to do with Magnus with your opponent has eradicator specifically, or any unit that comes in, any unit that's coming in from outflank or any unit that can get buffed is you want to make them go as far as humanly possible into your, your danger zone, thus preventing your opponent from getting the cool rerolls he has, or maybe his lieutenant buffs, or maybe his captain buffs. If you just put Magnus on the line on turn two, after you're done casting spells, you don't jump him backwards like a yo-yo, and he's sitting up front. Now your opponent gets to put his eradicator six inches from his from the middle board table edge. His captain moves up behind it. Now he gets four rerolls. Well, the way I position it, He's now 20 inches back. If my opponent wants to outflank with the unit eradicators, they're not getting rerolls. They're not going to be anywhere near his captain because his captain's walking across the table. Or maybe he has to bring his captain out, and now his captain's sitting in the middle of the field, or he's sitting next to three eradicators. And maybe they, they don't take out Magnus because they shouldn't. And now we're in this position where he's like, wow, I overextended myself. That was bad, and now I'm going to get punished for it, which is kind of what the list is designed to do. It's just right. punish these mistakes. The other thing that's important for your newer players, just sort of to put uh, you know, some imagination around this, if you look at the board, you're going to see where the fire lanes are, right? And you know that those eradicators, for example, only have a 24-inch range. So you can see all the places that he can place them and get shots on Magnus, right? So you can do things like move Nurglings into that place. So suddenly they can't they can't appear they can't appear in position one and you're like okay now how do i deal with position two? Oh well I, I can move magnus back with warp time and get him so that in this other fire lane they're going to be more than 24 inches away so they can't shoot him and what you're trying to do is just take away all of their options for shooting at magnus uh so that he doesn't get shot or if he gets shot um at worst case he, they don't get other buffs like they have to be placed in a place where they're not going to be able to get maximum you know, effort out of shooting or have to shoot through terrain for a minus one to hit or whatever. You're just, you're making the best of every board situation, but there's a lot of moving pieces that you can adjust to really up his survivability. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason why the pink horrors are so essential in that list. You have a big 30 man block that can basically move around and kind of touch the edges of the table where you think your opponent would come in and kind of be like, no, 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 I'm going to block out my whole backfield. So now you're going to be in this weird position because maybe I got a nurgling unit on this side. So now you're going to be on the right-hand side, which is exactly where I want you away from the rest of your army. Easily picked up, not in a problem spot. So I think it's very important when I talk to people, when they run, you know, similar lists and things like that, like your positioning is super key with this list. This is not a, I'm going to be super aggressive with Magnus early on and we're going to see what we're going to see how long he lives. No, no, no. He has to live for a few turns. The more, the more turns Magnus lives for the more, um, 
incremental your lead gets because your opponent, they have to kill Magnus. You can't let him live. In no game has anyone looked at Magnus across the table and been like, meh, he's not going to do that much this game. No, that's not a thing. That just doesn't happen. The, the, the mortal wound damage output and the melee output late, late in the game is just too much for anyone to deal with. So right. just trying to utilize that stuff. Yeah, it's your opponent has to kill Magnus as his plan. So punish him as much as humanly possible and dissuade him as much as you can from doing it. Yeah. So I mean that's the the Salamander matchup. The Dark Angels matchup is extremely dependent on their their build list. Um, like a lot of Ravenwing and things like that is a, is an interesting game because of their speed. Um but your standard list, which basically runs a whole bunch of Deathwing, which are like, hey, we've got, you know, Inner Circle, and we have a whole bunch of, you know, uh, we only get wounded on, you know, fours, and we have two up armor and three wounds. That generally does pretty well with Magnus because of their speed detriment that they have. They're just very slow models, and you can kind of just mortal wound them and slow them down with a whole bunch of uh, spells. Um, but... Um, it would definitely depend on the list. A heavy shooting Dark Angels list would be an interesting play. I'd have to, it, it would just come down to um, what do Melta guns do? You know, what do you, what does his multi melters do? And I'd probably do the same thing. You want to make him push in as far to your army as possible. So even if they end up killing Magnus, all their damage is standing in front of me, able for me to pick it up with some spells and. Uh, some of the other spells because the nice thing about the list is even if you lose Magnus Armin takes one of his spells spends a CP swaps out for one of his other damage dealing spells and he goes right they, he, he goes right into normal you know smites and casting additional powers so he's just as good so is the other demon prince and you know uh, you can even make the demon prince into a, a melee uh, monster with minus one to hit and a three up involve that's going to be very difficult for someone to remove. Yeah, no, totally with that. I think uh, in general, your army just pumps out mortal wounds. I think that's a tremendous counter space range. I love your army for the pick to meta. So having positive marine matches across the board, you've done good, kid. Yeah, um, I mean, it's good against them. Um, there's a couple other matchups that it, it favors very well into as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll get sure to we're going to get so, into it. Yeah, so um, the last one I wanted to touch on was Dark Angels, but I imagine... I can kind of summarize this, and you can correct me if it's if there's more nuance. But you stop the Deathwing Knights from moving, and you mortal wound the characters. That's no, that sounds about right. Um, that, <laughs> that pretty much uh, that pretty much sums it up. All right. Um, you have questions on that? I'm sorry, everybody. Feel free to message TJ after this post. <laughs> um, okay, there are other Imperial armies though, so let's hit those up. I think one that I expect you to struggle with, and maybe I'm wrong on this, would be Admech. Uh, with lots of dogs to catch the smite, the pony things, and then mm -hmm. guns to scare you a lot and hit you really hard. It is, um, it is, it is a matchup that I studied uh, profusely when we started um, this list because uh, it is a matchup I do struggle. It's probably my hardest matchup, actually. Um, so we developed. always says that maybe they're the best army in the game. Yeah. So we uh, we we developed a couple of strategies against them. Um, so first things first. Um, the pink horrors start off the table. Magnus starts off the table. Um, those chicken walkers with uh, five las cannons and one auto cannon, or six las cannons that basically hit on 
twos, re-rolling ones, and then wounding, uh, sorry, getting additional hits on sixes, and then mm-hmm. wounding you on sixes, that's not fun for anybody. Or sorry, getting additional wounds on sixes. Yeah. That's not fun for anybody. Oh, yeah, and additional hits on sixes, too. No, they, they just, it pours it on end mortals if they do Mars. It's just absurd. So that one's bad. Um, so we leave both of the guys in reserve. Uh, we leave uh, the bird stays behind a wall, and the Nurglings kind of just hang out behind walls as well. I'd probably pressure one objective very hard. Um, Stygies is, is a very interesting um, list because they get the pregame move, and that's always scary. Um, so in that matchup, I I want my opponent to go... Uh, I want to go first against that match, uh, which is weird because normally you would say playing that defensively, you don't, but I only want the stuff to be on the table basically for one turn, um, before I can get my Magnus out basically. Um, and then I probably pressure, uh, one objective. Uh, we run the scenario a couple times, but basically I pressure one of the middle objectives hard. I put a whole bunch of units there, like one unit of Nurglings in the front, one unit of Nurglings in the back. And then probably two, uh, sorry, probably three in the middle, like behind a wall or something, so they can kind of move to whatever objective is the least contested. Um, and then uh, you basically, uh, you know, try to put them behind a wall or something, but close to that objective. And then you're kind of hoping that he gets out the priests to kill a unit because you can't see them with anything else. And the mortars don't really kill that many units. They should pick up one unit with all the mortars, maybe just depends on how he rolls and then uh if the priests come out on your turn two you're in a good position uh but your turn one kind of looks like uh it it would also depend on what your random exalted gift is as well minus one to hit is pretty good because you can kind of just sit in a dense cover and it makes it minus two which means he his minus two plus two means he hits on threes uh, the bird should be able to survive a couple of turns of combat, a couple of turns of shooting, depending on how he rolls and how you roll with your three ups. Uh, but it really just comes down to one moment and one moment in particular. When Magnus comes in, does he survive? So if Magnus comes in, gets his three up in bolt, gets minus one to hit, he fires the last cannon unit at it, and you make your saves and you don't take enough damage, then the game is effectively over. Is as long as you can prevent the priest from also charging you. So you have to be defensive enough with your Magnus where you're not just putting it in range for a unit of priests to basically charge him. So that's kind of where those pink horrors come in big. They'll drop in around Magnus, and they will be able to basically, one, protect Magnus from getting charged by anything, especially now that the drills are so powerful, and two... um, it will also, they'll pick up a unit of priests by themselves. Um, 90 shots is 90 shots. Uh, their toughness three, he's plus one to wound, their strength four. So you're wounding on twos with the spell. They'll, they'll pick up, they'll probably pick up two units if we're being honest. It's about 50 hits, it's about 40 wounds. Yeah, if they can see the priest, I imagine the priest died, just like, you know, they're probably behind a wall or something. I think, yeah. as you said, the game really hinges on does Magnus survive, though. Yeah, I mean, like you're, a, you're just trying to, again, when we're talking about, like, make bad decisions, you're trying to force him to kind of come the out. fire, yeah. Yeah, kind of come out and grab these objectives, because you're like, I have Nurgling standing on these objectives, 
are you just going to let me have them until Magnus comes out? Because I'm okay with a 15-point turn. Hope he sends something to go kill them, not just I'm going to fire these birds and hope uh, – sorry, I'm going to fire the chicken walkers and hope that I hope that I kill them. But again, it, it does definitely come down to does Magnus survive a turn? Uh, odds are high that he survives, but it's just a question of how well does he survive. Does he have 10 wounds left? Does he have three wounds left? It just depends. Uh, we've run that number a couple of times, and dice are dice. Uh, I, I wish there was a better answer I had for you guys. That this Yeah, it's kind of like when you put all of your resources kind of dependent on two models, essentially, Magnus and Lord of Change, to build a lot of the weight in your army, you're almost always going to be in that little position of if I just fail my saves, that really sucks. And you can mitigate how many saves you take, but against Admech, there's going to come a moment where you can't, and you just have to hope you do it. Yeah, I mean, this is the list, right? Like, this is the list that when we talk about matchups, this is probably the matchup where I'm like, okay, this is a match where it could go either way. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it, yeah. it could, and, it could be super bloody. That states to the health of the game that there is no list out there that just doesn't have a bad matchup. Yeah, I mean, things to know with this. <laughs> yeah, and, and we, we talk about, you know, when you were like, I think the game comes down to if Magnus lives, and I'll explain why. The reason why, if Magnus lives for a turn, he then starts picking units up. And when Magnus starts picking units up, not just with his psychic powers, but with maybe touching tanks, multiple tanks, now mitigating your shooting, now the chicken walkers are out of position maybe, or maybe we just start picking them up with psychic powers... And then we get into this issue where he's like, I haven't killed Magnus yet. I now need to shoot at him again. Spend another turn shooting at him. So this is kind of that. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges. So you never have to think about ink save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Unfortunately, like you said, it's kind of a, it's kind of a coin, it's kind of a coin toss. Um, what it yeah. does. And that is what it is. I mean, we got other matchups. So, I do want to talk about and the other one that I think would be pretty challenging for you, um, but we can go through it, is Grey Knights with uh, specifically the Purgation Squads with Silencers because that's what Zeke's has been running and then the big Terminator Bricks, of course. Right. So with the uh, extra strat to the extra damage. Yeah. So everything's like plus one damage in the shooting strat thing. Yep. Um, so with that matchup, um, the Smites are actually not that big of an issue, uh, surprisingly enough. <clears throat> because of the strat to bring units back from the dead. You're obviously not leaving Magnus out every turn to get smited by them. You're going to give him the pink horrors. So the pink horrors pull a lot of weight in that match for at least the first two turns. Um, and I think that's a game where you play very aggressive with Magnus. Your job is to try to moral wound out as much as possible and try to hit some of these characters that have these spells, these important spells. Um, and again, um, jumping Magnus back where he is, it's just like the plan becomes really unreliable, like jumping magic back, casting powers because everyone in their army has denies 
at plus one, and then once per phase, they could use a strat to do a 3d6 pick to two highest deny. Well, you should be out of range of... Magnus should be able to jump back no matter what, because Magnus isn't the one casting it. Someone else is casting it. So you're measuring... You're measuring range to 24 for Magnus. And yeah, you're right. They can deny a couple of the powers from Magnus. Maybe even deny all three of them. Um, it's, it, it, is a, it is a risk. It's definitely not my favorite matchup in the world. I like it better than Admech uh, <laughs> um, because at yeah. least I, I get to play with Magnus and I know that he can survive. Um, Does the shooting not concern you? Because the, the Paladin brick with full shooting with Astrolabe and all that is quite destructive now you could also just deny him and i guess part of the reason i'm very iffy on this matchup is because it, there's a bit of it is you're just rolling dice and he's rolling dice and see so you got more powers off yeah i mean um i would have to see what spells uh sorry what traits the exalted gets as well um that's a big deal too because spell thief would be super important would be super clutch in that matchup for sure so you do have like a one third chance of just getting that and being like oh yay yeah yeah so i mean uh you know uh you know, one third is is pretty good. That's not bad. Um, I'm just trying to think through the match because I think it's a really interesting one. It is a super interesting match. I think the way you play that is you exactly like you play your other matches where you kind of just jump back and you kind of just hope that your damage goes through um, and hope that the pink cars die from a, a unit of shooting and you can just bring back the whole unit. So I think those will be important too. Yeah. I also think that screening out with the Nurglings is super important in that match. I think that's one of those matchups where you would deep strike in the Nurglings, actually. Really? Okay. So like I've never seen anyone deep strike Nurglings. Let's talk about that. So basically you would you would check ranges and see, okay, where can Magnus go that he can't get shot at? Um without you being able to deny maybe some of these powers like Astral Aim or you know, any make him close enough where where he has to push into you. So you can kind of check where that range is and then deploy your nurglings to kind of cover those areas for you. Also blocking smites, depending on how weak your pink horror squad gets, because you want him to kill that pink horror squad because you want to bring the whole squad back. Like you want to spend two CP, how are you going to come back from the dead? It's very important uh, hmm. because that is... 265 points that you can basically use again to do stuff. Yeah, that strat is phenomenal. And the fact that basically they can soak your smites for the, for you. So like there's not really your your monsters losing too bad. Um right. And then just coming in and keeping your characters safe because you always have bodies to stand in front of characters. That's beautiful. They come in at the end of your movement phase. So it's like the timing is perfect. Yeah. So I, I think that would be something that uh nerglings would probably go in reserve in that matchup uh i'd probably put uh probably three units in reserve probably start two on a table onto one objective and kind of just see how aggressive he plays and again you're trying to look for him to basically push into you and then kind of see where the weaknesses in his list are where did he go which spot did he pick you know where can you kind of push and prod uh, I think that's just a big attrition game. So it would be very interesting to see that game. Um, I, again, though, I do like it better than the ad back because at least we have play in that. And there's yeah, some... The horrors make that really not so bad. Yeah, because they are a lot of bodies, especially with splitting and the and the banner for getting additional models back if you roll a one. And with Gaze of Fate, you actually get two chances to roll a one as well. So that's a trick that uh, is really fun, to too. You only have Gaze of Fate only for your turn, so you'd have to be losing the models in your turn. 
but there's right. a chance. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. But I'm just saying, you know, like you, you have this, yeah. yeah, you have this opportunity for, you know, ignoring overwatches and, and, and things like that, where you're able to kind of push into them, um, and kind of utilize these tricks. Uh, we also have 10 cultists. They just kind of hang out somewhere. I think they just kind of go unnoticed. He may try yeah. to actual aim. Yeah, but... No one's got time for that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it just allows you to kind of hold your backfield. So when these pink cards come in, they can kind of do what they need to do, as opposed to a lot of the time when you bring back a demon unit, you're like, okay, I need to hold points this turn because I'm losing on points. So, um, yeah, I would be interested to see that match on the on the table. Maybe we'll add that to the to the calendar one of these days. So let's hit up um, one of my personal favorites, Sisters. They, I know you got some good practice with Sisters, and they have the four of Deny Strat along with the potential Sacred Right to really bother you. So Sisters are good. Sisters are very strong. I would say they're my second worst matchup. Um, it's not Admech bad because uh, Pink Horrors love Sisters. Pink Horrors are like really big fans. They they bought the T-shirt. They've got the merch. They go to all the book signings. Like they're really strong in that matchup because uh, they'll just pick up a whole bunch of units. Um, and a lot of the time, people take the Norse AP one and two. I don't mind that too much because again, it's a toughness three into maybe strength five or at least yeah, strength four. The only time four. that you kind of get bothered is if they're actually standing in cover for two ups because then it takes yeah. like a lot. Then it takes a lot. Um, but um, that match. Uh, it, de- it does depend a little on the architect of the list. You know, are they taking the triple exorcist? Did they go maybe retributors in reserve? So Yeah, I mean, the most commonalities are they all have like two to three repentia units. And then either mortifiers or exorcists um, or, repent- or uh, emulators with retributors. It's kind of one of those two builds. Yeah, so I mean, like, those are um, a little different. I mean, exorcists... Uh, are such an interesting um, shooting against Magnus because uh, that would be a game where you're trying to get toughest. like against multi meltas or exorcists, like because they have those miracle dice for damage rolls. It's like everyone you fail is like a lot it of hurts. damage. Yeah, the things you're looking for in that matchup are you looking to make Magnus tough with eight, and you're looking to get him at least he has to be minus one every turn, and you're looking to get three up in vault. And an important thing to note something that a lot of people don't normally know. Uh, Two things, actually. The first thing is, I see this a lot for top players, but I don't see it a lot in people who are trying to get better. Um, This is, when you get shot with a gun or a weapon, and your model is in a crucial moment where he could could die in this turn, always re-roll the first time it happens. Don't, Don't wait. Don't go, ah, it's fine. We'll see how much more he can take. Especially high toughness models with a lot of wounds. Because here's how it works. You wait until maybe your opponent starts rolling worse and stops wounding you as much. Maybe he doesn't hit you as much. Maybe he starts rolling things that were supposed to wound you, don't wound you. So you don't want to wait and give your opponent the onus to basically you to roll worse and then try to remake that save. You want to just spend that that reroll when it happens the first time. On a it's D6, obviously. You, like you're getting hit by a failed Lazcan save. You're just 
waiting till the next failed last can save to reroll. Just take it right there. Yeah, just take it immediately because you never you know, know there's one on the table. Like maybe he doesn't cause right. a last can save and you get hit by a million damage twos and you don't get good value out of the reroll. He's saying right. get so the value I, when you get it. Yeah, I see that a lot when people when they're like Oh, it's fine. It's just the first one. Like, you know, you're going to shoot me with either last cannons. Yes, but those last cannons might not hit. Those last cannons might not wound. You might make your three up. So, like, I think it's critical for people to understand, especially yeah. models where there are multiple fail points. And I think that's something that kind of newer players kind of um, ignore, not ignore, but they don't understand. Fail points are such an important part of this game. So, what I mean by fail points is like, there are points in the progression of something to happen where at any of these points, if the actual threshold is not achieved, it's a fail. That sounds so, like why I hate obliterators, TJ. Keep going. Yeah, so this is why I don't play obliterators either. So fail points, when you hit a big unit, a big model like Magnus. So Magnus is already toughness eight. So now I don't, I don't basically auto-wound him on twos. I wound him on threes. So now I have to hit with my unit and he's minus one to hit. So now I'm not hitting him on threes. I'm hitting him on fours. So now I have to roll the die to hit him on fours. I have to hit. That's the first fail point. If I fail that, I either have to, the opponent now has to decide, do I want to re-roll that and spend my re-roll now? Or do I want to let it go and just try another unit? That's the first fail point. Then the second fail point. Okay, cool. I hit him. Now can I wound him? Is he toughness eight? Do my exorcists and melting guns now wound him on fours? This could be a problem. Let's say I wound him on threes. I roll a two. Okay, do I re-roll that? So now the onus is now on your opponent because that's another fail point for him to then figure out if he wants to use his re-roll, if he wants to do something about that where you're just sitting there waiting for him to do something. And then if he wounds you, then you have your involve or your save. If you make your save, then your opponent's like, okay, back to square one. Now I got to go all around again and do exactly what we're talking about. And I think this is an important thing to note in an army like sisters, because like you said, sisters are very much like, oh, you failed one save, take six damage. Here you go. Like, just take it. So yeah. it's very important for you to understand that like, and I think like, it's ninth edition more than ever. Ninth edition, uh, it's critical for uh, with all these different fail points and cover and terrain and things like that for you to recognize. Like, okay, you know what? You're right. He does have another unit to shoot me, but I think I'm going to take the save now. I think I'm going to reroll this now, mitigate the damage on the table that I can mitigate, and then worry about what happens after that. Yeah. So then, is the repentance slamming into characters concern? Because as a sisters player. With I just stockpile miracle dice until like mid to late game when you're running out of screens, and then I just trash all your characters at the end. It's a very common move. Um, well, the spells come in very handy in that matchup because you can basically slow down one unit, and uh, you can kind of play around the other unit as long as your um your pink horrors can basically survive past turn three where the outflank would already happen. Then you're all good because you can kind of screen out for the one unit of repentance that's in reserve, and then you can then slow down the other unit behind a wall, and then you can kind Usually of- that unit's in a rhino is the thing. So I'll, like, I'll keep a unit behind a wall in a rhino for four turns, waiting to blast you into your character. Oh, for the four. last turn? 
yeah, for turn four, turn five, where I can like get a like against you, it'd be not while we semi fights. That's like Magnus and stuff, but I try to get like the characters and get like a huge assassinate turn off then. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's definitely something to worry about. Um, I think that um oh right. The other thing I was gonna say that's super important with this matchup uh is um Gift of Chaos is probably like one of the best spells that we can cast. Um in the sisters because no one even uses them yeah i know i use it so it's a really cool spell i like it gets pay get the chaos is a chaos space marine power um that obviously thousand suns have access to and what it is is you select a unit uh within range of your spell so it is uh a six inch spell and then your thousand suns so you get an extra six inches so it's a 12 inch spell for you and you basically select an enemy model within 12 inches and you do a toughness check if you beat their toughness they take three plus d3 mortal wounds so now it says select a model but obviously models are in units and units their mortal wounds spill over from a model to model basis so basically it's extremely effective at picking up small units of sisters or anything anything sister yeah anything sister you know anything that's toughness three really guard dark eldar eldar it's also really good for killing characters um because yeah i think a lot of people didn't really take it seriously because it's uh it's a six inch range spell but thousand suns make it so much more viable with now that's a 12 yeah i mean you can literally just pick up a sister character with that it's it's Mm -hmm. it's flat four wounds not even yeah. messing around. Like it will just kill a character as long as it's not like Celestine, obviously. So just from an overall approach perspective, like you have to reroll the save against an extra sister multi melta. But like what what is a strategy against sisters? So you start in terrain, you start in dense cover for Magnus. Uh I think he starts on the table unless we're playing super um in he's all so when I play Magnus, he's always my last drop. As you should. Uh, so you're able to kind of see where your opponent went uh, and kind of put him in the furthest point of the map so he's not going to get like walked up on and multi-melted on turn one. So if he's not getting multi-melted on turn one and he's just going to get exorcisted or something like that. Um, and again, we talk about like, yeah, you're right, he could be in a rhino, but that's an easy fix with Nurglings. They can kind of go in front of where you would end up so that he can kind of deny that range that they would have to to get Magnus. Because I know a lot of people are thinking like, well, it doesn't really matter if you go first or not. They deploy on the line, then it moves, you know, they get out nine inches and they can just multi-melt to you. But Nurglings kind of prevent that from happening. So, um, and then you kind of, you got to play KG with that matchup. Um, you're kind of, in that game, Magnus should die. I know this is a terrible thing to say. Should die. It's just a question of when. And when he gets down to his last six wounds, you're to send him in somewhere to put as much damage as possible, kind of force your opponent to do other stuff. So like your play where you said you go after repent uh, your stuff like that, Magnus would basically try to pop that rhino with spells and then try to kill the repentia in melee to kind of prevent these outward pushes late game, especially gotcha. when I know you've been sitting there for a while. Um yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like he's he's gonna go down, so just get him to change the course of the game before he does, and that's that. Yeah, if he can survive the first three turns um, without going down, that's not crazy unrealistic either. Because sisters pack 
Uh, not that many very high quality shots. No, so they have a lot really, of multi melters, but not, they, there's like not that many shots you have to take. So on three up intervals, you can just spike and survive because it's low quality saves. Now, of course, you could spike and fail, but correct. Yeah, you know that's the risk to playing Magnus every game. That is a risk. I mean, the the risk got a lot less obviously with Magnus being able to go in reserves, um, which is why I think he's better than he was in eighth edition. But um, that is a risk. You're playing a high moon model. Yeah, whenever whenever an army can basically make you take a lot of saves and just hope you don't fail them on Magnus, and really it's the ones that you can't really prevent are Admech and Sisters. Those are the ones that, you know, there's the oh, oh crap moment that you're going to have in the game. But yeah. if you can get through that, you know, you should be good. You also need to, there's something very important with Sisters as well that you don't need to worry about with um, with Admech. Um Four up deny strat, yeah, just denying in general, right? Like, yeah, they have the sacred right for, the, for plus three to deny and the miracle dice for yeah, just, here's a nine, yeah, yeah. So, you need to be careful with them where you're checking your ranges at all times. You need to go, okay, how many like you're you need to be very, very consistent when you target units where you're like, I'm gonna smite this one unit, so I want this unit and only this unit to be in range, and then I'm gonna go after this character. I only want this character in range and maybe the unit that's in front of it, which keeps the denies down to three denies. So that's much more mitigating than, hey, I'm going to jump Magnus 20 inches up and he's basically going to try to kill. You know, he's going to try to cast all his spells and, uh uh-oh, you have seven denies. He can deny every power. So that's an important thing to note too. Yeah, no, I'm totally with that. Okay, nerds, we've now done almost 53 minutes on Imperium. No, we got one more, John. We got one. Oh more. my god, you guys are killing me! All right, what what do we got left? We got Harlequins. Leave my el- We've only no, hit no, Imperium. No. Let me I, have something. No, no, I said we've done 55 minutes on Imperium. We have to do other factions. Oh, oh, oh I thought you were cutting. I was me just off trying to. Far. I was just trying to get us off the Imperium train. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for all the Imperiums. Imperium is where this this list really does well. So I'm ready. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna stress testy over here. Let's talk about some Harlequins. Wow, uh, that is probably like my second best matchup. Yeah, this wasn't a stress test at all. <laughs> I mean, Harlequins. So here's the reasoning, right? Harlequins, you know it. You love Harlequins. They can't handle mortal wounds. And the things that every mortal, every Harlequins player takes in their normal Harlequins list has no effect on me. So I'll explain. So. Fusion pistols, not really effective against Magnus because the pink horrors can kind of screen him out and they can Except kind of block it's him. hard because I have to physically get within six of Magnus yeah. to shoot him. And even and then, if it's it doesn't like, work, not likely to work. Right. But if it doesn't work, now you're like, well, I just lost everything or anything that I tried. Because you can't send one unit in against him. One unit's not going to do it because you're minus one to hit. You have no way to buff it. So even a 10 man with fusion pistols is only hitting five times, it's only wounding probably three times. And then I'm going to save two of those. I'll probably take one. So a 10 man's not doing it. So when I played Matei in the finals, he hit me with, he hit the bird with 20, 22 fusion pistols and he still lived. So like you gotta, you gotta put your back into it. You gotta throw your whole army into it. That's their first problem. The second problem is uh, Skyweavers, absolutely nothing to my list. The only thing they're good at is kind of shooting pink horrors. But are they really good at shooting pink cars? Not, not really particularly good. The only reason they're, they're good is because they get the max shots. But uh, The only way I think my Harlequins would ever attempt to play this is basically to 
run around and just try to keep your primary low and hold objectives while I get tabled, and then like try to look for assassination plays in the into the infantry characters so I can reduce the amount of damage you do. That's right. the only there's no I'm not fighting your army. It's just which, trying to survive is, your army. Which is basically what everybody I've like I played Harlequins three times in that tournament and my buddy that lives around me basically plays Harlequins and every weekend we basically see how many turns can he get before he runs out of bodies. And that's really the the issue with that list is you just run out of steam. They just run out of units they can put in front of Magnus because he will kill basically a unit every turn. Uh, probably more than that. Like the yes. 2d6 spikes is insane. Mm-hmm. So that's that matchup. That's a very good matchup for me. Yeah. The other, the, pretty much the last matchup I wanted to cover because I don't want to get too deep into Chaos Mirrors. Um, I guess, well, let's just hit Chaos Mirrors really quick. And I think a big part of it is that you out psychic every other Chaos Army and Magnus yeah. wins Mirrors because Death Hex goes off. Yeah. Death Hex goes off and. Um, Death Guard's too slow to do anything. The grenade bomb yeah, like, is the most telegraphed move in the world, and you'll see it coming 20 minutes into a, into the game, and you'll be able to put Nurglings in front of even the pink horror bomb, where he won't even be able to grenade the pink horror bomb. So that's a problem. And then once they're on the table, they're just dead. That's the Death Guard. The Demon one would be an interesting one, like Triple Keeper would be cool. I think I win that just because Mortal Wounds is Mortal Wounds. I was going to say, I think you win that just on, like, you're casting Death Hex, he's not, and Mortal Wounds are Mortal Wounds. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that one. And uh, I haven't seen another Thousand Sun list with Magnus running around, so that would be cool to see a Magnus on Magnus. I've actually never played that matchup. Generally speaking, the Chaos Army that out-psychics the other has a severe advantage, and if it's pretty even, then it kind of comes down to what your other stuff is, but TJ's list is so far ahead in the psychic phase, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Chaos mirror. Yeah. Because chaos um, mirrors are are just built around how good your psychic phase is often, or if you're keepers. Yeah, because they combo on their psychic phase. So yeah. if you have a better psychic phase, generally you also have a better way to deny their psychic powers as well. And uh, uh unfortunately, chaos doesn't really have a way to kill Magnus well, like in a mirror format. Uh yeah. The, like they don't have a crazy amount of long-range damage. So again, that yo-yo becomes really important. Jumping Magnus back further than the 24 inch mark of the front of your army means that most of the things won't be able to shoot at magnus which means he's yeah. not dying and if he, you don't kill magnus we've talked about this before you're not yeah, going to win too much game. over time yeah so that's so the mirrors the last one that i think is worth talking about uh is necrons Ooh, they're pretty new yeah has been doing some dirty stuff out here with them so uh what are you thinking necrons is a very strong matchup for me um the Old reasoning Lord, behind it is so the first things first it's the most evident of of the um benefits to running mortal wounds into uh necrons they don't get reanimation protocols yeah that's pretty that's pretty self-explanatory like if you can smite 20 mortal wounds you just kill the entire warrior brick and they can't reanimate or even like killing 18 like it's okay i killed 18 so then you start thinking about like well what about the other things that could do stuff in that matchup such as the silent king in melee or uh, sorry, a Satan in melee, or maybe the Silent. What about King? the Scarab soaking the smites though? Because you know that's annoying. I mean, it's not. That's what the pink horrors are kind of for. I mean, they'll yeah. they'll put down a unit pretty quickly. Um, the other thing too is like, it's not just one turn, right? Like, yeah, your 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 Scarabs will kill. Like, uh, they'll be able to hold me there for a turn. But you need, like, I don't know people who take like twenty seven Scarabs. And try to yeah. do things with them. And that's kind of the issue. The other issue is that scarabs need to hold the objectives. That's kind of where your army's trying to pull. 
your 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 idea with that list is that you move pregame and then your scarabs can kind of go and grab the middle objectives and go, I have this until your warriors can get up there and they go, now we have this and you're never getting it back. The issue with that is your scarabs kind of have to now stand up there and go, please don't kill us. Like we just wanna we just wanna stand here and and kind of grab the objectives and do multiple things. So um that's you know an issue with that with with the scarabs and that. And the other thing too is that Nightbringer Satan. Show me one of those models, and he'll never move ever again. I'll I'll make sure I'll never <laughs> see him. Yeah, I mean he just gets hit with Doombolt and Warp Reality, and he he moves like he starts at eight inches, right? Yeah, he then he goes two. Then he goes two inches, no advance, minus one to his charge. Yeah. So you can I, do that to the Silent King too, right? And then yep. make him super slow. Yeah. Yep. So you can really slow down these like Death Star kind of creatures. And no one's really running both of them. That's too many points. No, I haven't seen both. I've seen two Sistans before. I've seen um uh the Shard of the Void Dragon and uh a Nightbringer before, but that's so many points. And, and the only one you really care about is Nightbringer, because you can get invuls against the rest of them. Uh that's not true. I actually don't get invuls against the rest of them. Oh really? Oh, I'm dumb. Bobby. No, it's okay. They just have a strat that says that they, oh, they ignore invuls. Okay. So That's they cool. just spend the, the CP, ignore your invul, and then punch you in the face. Um, but the cool thing about the the marine uh, the my list is why I, I like this matchup is because we can kill a satan in one shot. If anybody can do it, it's chaos. We shoot, we fight, and then we psychic. So we can kill a satan in one shot. We can do nine mortal uh, nine wounds in one turn of of shooting. So, oh, sorry, nine, uh, nine wounds in one full turn. We've got shooting, melee, and psychic. So, um, we've definitely the got hard the tools actually to deal put with three it. wounds on a nightmare. Is he T7? He's T7. Okay, yeah, you could then. He's T7. You're also plus one to wound. Yeah, you'll get that done. Yep. So, your strength four, you're wounding on fives with the spell you wound on fours. It's 25 wounds. He should fail eight. He's only a four up save. So, he should actually fail 12 of those. Yeah. I mean, he can only take three, but... Right, I'm just saying, but he does take the three, like, no I just never thought of Har shooting a Nightbringer, but I'm like, yeah, no, that's... But that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why they're so good. You know, they have multiple applications. They can also lock up the Nightbringer when he gets up to slam into combat with maybe Magnus or the bird. Well, now he's not doing that. Um, You know, other cool abilities... The changeling can kind of steal some of these characters' powers, which, uh, sorry, character weapons in melee, which is hilarious. Killing a Necron character with your own weapons is always funny. Yeah, it just sounds like your army was kind of designed to beat Necrons. They're slow, and you make them slower. They don't reanimate from mortals. That's kind of that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely an accurate uh, assessment. Like I said, I, I try to make these lists based off meta and i knew necrons were going to be strong i knew marines were going to be strong and i knew uh those are the lists and hard no taking like gray knights there's not that many great admin players around and uh yeah you know play the odds i like it so uh that's pretty much it for my questions john do you have anything else you want to ask no but i think it was actually a really good discussion i particularly liked when we slowed down a little bit and kind of broke some things down for new players i think that's going to be very helpful so very well articulated tj i think that was one of our finer episodes really great job i appreciate that thanks well as usual tj understands what he's doing with his list like yeah so anyways tj is there any ways is there any place people can find you 
Well, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously on um, Art of War, you know, uh, we do coaching. We do live clinics for everybody almost every week. I'd say about every other week for chaos um, where people can ask me questions, talk to me about the list, anything that they're having issues with. I can talk about new things coming out. We've got that. We've got list building, one-on-one sessions for coaching and things like that. Um, I also write a lot of uh, I also write articles and things like that on Creature Caster. I'm a champion of Creature Caster, which means that uh, they sponsor me and I promote all their nice, lovely products. If you've never seen one of those models, you should definitely go check out Creature Caster. I'm sure they'll be running something for uh, um, some sales for the end of the year and all that fun stuff. So that's cool. And then lastly, we do a lot of things for uh, Seal City Legion. They help me do a lot of my uh, streaming and a lot of my battle reports. Uh, they're very helpful in that area. Um, so we have a ton of stuff on YouTube. You can go check those out watch all that stuff. I think I'm going to be playing with this list on stream um, in a couple of weeks, uh, depending on when this episode comes out. It actually might have already happened. So, um, But check those out. Uh, and again, you know, uh, you can always find me, uh, on, uh, you know, the book of facing and ask me any questions you guys want. I'm here to make people better, you know, get people better at this game, get more people involved. That's what I'm here to do. I will say TJ is one of the first people I sort of talked to briefly about chaos when I was just determining what army I wanted to play before I knew anybody, before I'd met anyone really. And he was so approachable. So guys, if you have questions about chaos in general, um, TJ's your guy. He'll take care of you. Just hit him up on Facebook. He's he's perfectly happy to do that. Oh, yeah. Love talking chaos. All awesome. right. Well, thank you, TJ. You're a pleasure to have on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Nick, tell everybody about the new website, and then let's oh, yeah. close this baby down. So we got a new website, folks, theartofwar40k.com. Same URLs before, but brand new site. You got... Uh, everything's way nicer looking and way easier to find and navigate through. We have archives that actually work, a search function that actually works. You can see everything we've done, uh, really cool about us sections and testimonials. Um, you can now buy the Art of War podcast and the Art of War Down Under podcast, both through the website. So definitely check that out. I guess if you're listening to this, you, you can, you already did that, but you could do that too. Um, also, we are looking to transition the war room, which is where we teach all of our coaches or the clinics like TJ was talking about, all of our coaching matches, our strategy sessions, our meta-analyses, the place where you can go to talk to all the best players in the world. Um, we moved that from Facebook. It's currently a Facebook group over to our website. Uh, that should be live by the time this episode airs or we're going live like right now. But uh, stay tuned for that because everything is going to be way better on its own, on our own platform. So I'm super excited for all this stuff. All right. And I would be remiss if I didn't take, especially since we're recording right before Thanksgiving, even though this is going to come out a little bit after, uh, to express my gratitude personally for all of you patrons. You guys have really made a lot of things happen for the Art of War. And you guys were the early adopters who really got us the boost we needed to get a lot of things going. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. I know Nick feels the same way. Nick, did you want to jump in there quick? Yeah, absolutely. John approached me with the idea of Art of War. I didn't know just over a year ago and it was just a podcast. It was, that's all the idea was. And it was really just like, oh, I'll do a podcast. That sounds fun. Uh, useful for the, you know, like my image and whatnot. And as a 40 K player. So then it turned into so much more. Now it's like in a, a global brand with art of war, art of war down under, we have coaches on multiple continents and 
We're recording different YouTube videos, articles, teaching all these classes, getting different experts and professional websites built. And like you guys are literally making our dreams happen. So thank you so much. All right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Art of War podcast. You're our family. We love you. We'll see you all soon. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.